Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigalov was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigalov. Well, thank you for joining me again. I want to give a special shout-out to all of my Patreon uh, viewers. I have Kevin Alanos, I have Perry, I have Sam Schelke. They're our special contributors in helping this this podcast and help support me through this fight that I'm I'm having. Uh, as many of you know, I recently got some good news. I got my uh, privileges back. Uh, there's still more fight to, to have, and there'll be more news coming soon. Um, but I want to thank you for all the support that y'all have been showing me. Now, today I have a very special guest. We've had uh, Mr. Davis Yunts on before. He is a lawyer. He has helped um, defend uh, Bill Mosley. And go back and listen to that episode a while back. But today he's he's defending another man who went to go get the flu shot. He was doing the best he could, right? He was trying to to comply with what he can comply with and trying not to comply with what he can't, with, with what's illegal. And so he said, you know, I can take the flu shot this year, but I'm not going to take the COVID shot because that's an unlawful order. And and what happened with that whole situation, sir? Hey, good morning, Sam. Or I guess, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's sorry, fine. No, that's great. <laughs> I'm good. I don't know when you're gonna. I don't know when you're gonna put this up. So, oh yeah, hey. when I'm gonna put it up? Yeah, don't worry about that. All right, it is morning now. Listen, I. All right, I I appreciate being on again. I appreciate the chance to talk to you and everything you're doing in this fight. So so here's what's happened. Um, I have a client in Maine in the Maine National Guard. He was uh, pursuing a religious accommodation as well as objecting to the unlawful order to receive the vaccine, and. He was subjected to what feels like an intentional effort by the Maine National Guard to keep their vaccination numbers up. So we can get into the details on why my client believes it was likely intentional. But the bottom line is he signed the consent forms. He got in line. He was ready to get the flu shot. And they were also doing the COVID shot at the same time. He signed the paperwork saying, hey, I can't receive the, the, uh, the COVID shot. Today, I, I, my accommodation is pending, and they had two lines, one line for the flu shot, one line for COVID. They sw- had him switch lines and said, oh, we're going to be doing the, the lines differently. Um, long story short, by the time it was done, he was um, given the COVID shot, and he didn't find out until the next day. Um, he was told there would be an investigation, and ultimately... Uh, He was never contacted. No investigator ever spoke to him. He was never told of the outcome of the investigation. And then he later found out he wasn't the only member of the Maine National Guard this happened to. Oh, my goodness. And these are allegedly supposed to be, you know, medical professionals who are supposed to know to check the site, check the expiration date, check um, that it's the right patient, right chart, right medication. And yet for the layperson, this would be like, like, you know, when I went to jump school. And I, I've done my five jumps, right? you know, I'm, I'm a chump like anyone else. And before we jump, we, they have us put our rig on. They have someone come inspect us. They have someone else come inspect us. And then a third person come inspect us. Why? Because it's a dangerous thing and no one wants to die. And no one wants anyone dead on their watch. That's why in, medic, in the medical community, we check, we double check, we triple check, we check. We at least look once. And it doesn't seem like this guy even looked once. 
and it seems like their leadership has set them up for failure by having both of these in the same building. I want to give a quick shout out to my friends over at themustardseedshop.net. That's themustardseedshop.net. Look in the show notes at the bottom for links. Please look at these pictures. These are beautiful, well done, by hand pieces of artwork. You can get the American flag with the pandemic reprimando patch on it. It says COVID-19 reprimanded ranks. If you're listening, you're likely part of the reprimanded ranks. You can also get that same emblem put on a coffee cup. This is not a sponsor. I'm just, I'm happy with what I saw. And I think this man is making a great um, contribution. And I I just want to help him get his name out there. So if you're interested in these, please go to his website and look for the links down below. Now back to our show. Now, sir, it seems like this isn't the first time that this has happened. It seems like this, oh, well, let's do a, let's, let's do a vaccine drive. Let's have both of them in the same room. And, oh, no, we've given a bunch of people the wrong vaccine. And it never seems to be the other way where a bunch of people get the flu vaccine when they should have gotten the COVID vaccine. Right. And so, so all this happens in the context with my client at all, it happens in the context of tremendous per- pressure, coercive efforts to not even process his religious accommodation request. As far as we know, it was never even processed. Wow. Um, and, That's so and then, and then, you know, so you say, okay, well, how could this happen? Why would this happen? And then you start to look at bigger things like for, for a long time, the same leadership, the senior leadership in the main National Guard was bragging publicly about being in the top five and having the highest percentage of people having received these COVID injections. And so you sort of put all of that together and it creates a, a picture where there's a strong question of how could this have possibly happened? And then they said, hey, we'll do an investigation. Don't worry, we'll do an investigation. Well, how do you do an investigation where my client is the victim of what happened and my client's never even interviewed. That's insane. Like, it makes you wonder, was anyone interviewed? Was there an investigation? Right. What did the investigation consist of? Or did the leadership there in Maine already know the answer, which is they didn't care and they just wanted to get shots in arms no matter what. Uh, They just wanted to be at 100%. They didn't care about the consequences or the law, quite frankly. And, and you said this was in Maine, because I heard a similar story of something like this. I heard a similar What's story. That? I heard a similar story of something happening in um, uh, Joint Base Lewis McCord, where someone was supposed to have gotten one shot, and instead they got the COVID shot. And it was, I believe, it was a drive-up uh, shot clinic where you stay in your car, which is a horrible idea. Um, and a similar thing happened there. Right. So before I spoke to this client and he became Matthew Bouchard is his name. He became my client in Maine. I, I had heard these stories and I've talked to other military members and I've had clients who were extremely hesitant to go get the flu vaccine um, this this past winter because they had heard stories. Right. There's some in the civilian world. There are some situations where. Uh, the wrong doses were received by children, uh, where people went to CVS or wherever to get a a flu shot and were given something else. So that was sort of those rumors that was sort of all in the background. But in the military, again, like it's just not supposed to happen. It's not consistent with what I've seen throughout two decades of service in the way you give 
a shot, the way you give medication, the way you give these vaccines, it's just not consistent with that. So you have the idea of doing a shot rodeo and what that means, but why, why would they even have the flu vaccine and these COVID mRNA products on the same table? Like, why would you even have that in arm's reach if what you're doing in that line is supposed to be just the flu vaccine? Like, to me, I don't understand how that would even happen unless there's something else going on. Especially when you understand the controversy that's going on with this with this COVID shot. Like, there's some people that they really don't want this, but they're willing to comply and go along with something that they can see as maybe reasonable, the flu shot. Like, similar thing happened at our institution. Not, not that I, um, like, not wrong shot similar thing, but we're going to give both at the same time. And I told them, this is when I still had some influence, I told them they shouldn't be done in the same building. They shouldn't even be in the same building because things like that will happen. Right. Think, things like that will happen and, and, and they just can't. They shouldn't. I mean, for a whole lot of reasons. We don't – I mean, people, although the military doesn't want to recognize them, DOD doesn't want to recognize them, there are people that have legitimate allergy concerns – legitimate concerns that they're going to have an allergic reaction, an anaphylactic reaction to the ingredients in these EUA mRNA products. So, I mean, you have that issue as well as as the religious accommodation issue um, where, you know, they, I mean, they assaulted my client, right? They, they, I think they committed a crime by, by doing this against his will. um, And just the coercive environment is what really got my attention and really had me frustrated with this. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe someday Maine, the Maine National Guard will let my client know what the actual results of the investigation were and what happened, and, and then we can have a discussion. But, again, he was never interviewed, so I'm not confident any meaningful investigation was done at all. And, and this is a great time to bring up the idea that you can't trust these people. Right, because they've they've coerced us to take an unlawful order to take a experimental product. You know, I, I understand your client trying to do the best that he can, you know, and trying to comply where he can, but this needs to stop. Every service member out there who doesn't want to get the COVID shot, don't let them put a needle in you and you can't get the COVID shot. And I know that seems pretty hard line, but we can't trust them. They've proven that we cannot trust them because they're punishing us for not following unlawful orders as we're supposed to not follow unlawful orders. And here your client, who is doing the best that he can, they gave him the wrong thing. And, and like, you're right, that's assault. I mean, it's potentially assault with a dangerous weapon if this proves to be a bioweapon like I believe that it is. And, and those are my words, not your words. Right. <laughs> but it's just insane well, oh. how how lackadaisical they are with this when the normal medical field that would not happen. Well, and and the issue too is you know, why are we why are we even in a situation like this in the first place where military leaders and and commanders are afraid to stand up to this, right? So there's a lot we don't know about where COVID came from. We, there's a lot we don't know about these experimental EUA products, 
We know they don't prevent transmission. We know that you have to change the definition of a vaccine to even call them a vaccine. So we know all of these things. So all of that is in the background of a situation where we see military leaders, we see commanders, and my clients are seeing it over and over and over again. They're simply not even willing to entertain the possibility that this is an unlawful order. They're not even willing to understand what's happening, even though it's happened before. I mean, look, as military officers, we swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. What's happening here is the Department of Defense, the executive branch, is choosing to ignore the law. They're choosing to ignore the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and they're choosing to ignore federal law that prevents giving military members an experimental emergency use authorization medical product. Bottom line. So what's happening here is the executive branch, DOD, is ignoring the Constitution, and military officers that are going along with this are ignoring their oath to the Constitution by failing to follow the law. The military, DOD, the executive branch, even the President of the United States doesn't get to make up the law. They don't get to change a statute just because they don't like it. Changing definitions, changing you know, saying that medical interchangeability of a product is the same thing as legal interchangeability, when, when nowhere in the law or regulation does anyone recognize that, that that's the issue here. So, I mean, it's a, it is absolutely a lack of courage, and it's a lack, it's just a lack of willingness to even open their eyes and understand what it means to swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Yeah, thank you so much for for taking the stand. And and I'm sure you know this, but I don't know if if the layperson or the listener knows this. But with the Doe versus Rumsfeld, with that case that was settled in I think 2005 or 2006, anyone who had been in the military at that time, that law stands for them. So that includes me. Like I was in ROTC, and I am covered by that. They're breaking That's current right. standing law. That's right. Not, not precedents, but actual law that was set in that case. They're breaking it right now. That's right. Yeah. And, and the background on that is, you know, Congress passed statutory guidelines that said you cannot experiment on the military. And even further, you cannot force military members to receive experimental or emergency use medical products, all medical products, not just vaccines, but all EUA products. You can't force the military to do that because there was a history of doing it. So Congress passed that statute and, and the military, to a large extent, didn't follow it when it came to anthrax. And there were also problems with what the FDA did and the FDA approval process in those anthrax cases. But yeah, I mean, the case law made it absolutely clear that what the military, what the DOD did with anthrax was wrong. It was a violation of federal law. It was an unlawful order. And, and we're doing the exact same thing again. And the issues are clear, but military commanders, military leaders are unwilling to risk their career to take a stand against this. And they don't even want to acknowledge it as a possibility because of, of the fear they have for their own careers. And I, and I hate to say that, but again, my clients are seeing that over and over and over again. And the problem now and what's getting scary, and, and you know this because you're in this fight with all of us, is we're seeing the devastating consequences of this on military readiness when it comes to kicking people out, but also the health consequences for otherwise healthy, able, and ready to serve military members, uh, the consequences of receiving this product, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, 
and it and it's not ending and the military is just refusing to acknowledge it as a possibility it's absolutely insane i have a, a personal friend who he gets winded walking up a flight of stairs from the inflammation around his heart it's just absolutely heartbreaking how they're they're hurting my friends and your friends and and your clients right. and just everyone the people that defend this country they're preferentially hurting since right. all since one of the recent episodes like um the the uh, surgeon general of Florida has said that this is dangerous and we're not going to give it to was it 18 to I can't remember the upper age limit but the people that get myocarditis from it the I think it was the CEO of Pfizer said that they did not test this to make sure that it stops transmission. It's like, hello, you didn't test it right. to make sure it stops transmission. So when do we get, right. when do I get all those licenses of all the doctors that said that this is to stop transmission? When do I get them in my hand so I can throw them in the trash, throw the licenses in the right. trash? So they never see another patient again, lied again. When, when right. does that happen? Well, and again, it just, you know, what we're seeing, what you're seeing, what I'm seeing is we're seeing over and over and over again stories uh, of people who are dying um, with no no documented risk for heart disease or anything else that, that are dying. But what's happening as well across the country when people start to just open their their minds a little bit and understand the truth that's happening here, more and more people know individuals that have been injured by these products, by getting these injections. Um, and that's creating a lot of issues, and that's the grounds for all you see. But and in the military, you know, it's a constant problem that we have in the military, and we've seen this because there's an underreporting of adverse events in the military, and it has two causes. What I'm seeing is two causes. One, the medical establishment within the military is underreporting adverse events from the vaccine. But the other piece is you have a lot of military members who are experiencing adverse events from from getting this product. They don't want to report it because they're afraid they're going to end up getting medically disqualified from future service and lose their job anyway because of this. And that's particularly true of my clients that are pilots. I mean, just, you know, any any issues at all that they report affect not just their ability to serve in the military as a pilot, but potentially their FAA license. Um, and there's hundreds of those that have come forward. There's hundreds of those chat groups of pilots talking about their concerns and and the effects that they've been feeling because of, of this product that they received, this injection that we received that was experimental, that's still experimental, that's still emergency use. Um, and we don't know information about it. How is it just now we're finding out that Pfizer's admitting that they didn't have time to see whether or not it prevented transmission of the disease that it was supposed to be designed to prevent transmission of? I mean, that's shocking. And where did people come up with that idea that it's going to prevent transmission? Unless, of course, there was someone maybe from Pfizer that was unofficially pushing that line. You know, because there's, there's this, right. oh, well, you can use it like this, which is the official. And then, and then on back channel doors or on unofficial lines or things like that, they can legally say what they're not legally allowed to say, and they not get in trouble for it. Right. Yeah, how does that how does that even happen? So, you know, for me, one of the things I think about a, a lot, just because of what I do, because I work in the military justice system, is how do we how do we get to a place where so many leaders, so many uh, of my clients, commanders are not willing to take a stand on these things? 
And I don't know if you read it, but I go back to, I think it was around 2014 or 2015, there were um, professors at the Army War College who, who did a study and wrote a paper about the lack of integrity, and they focused on the Army. I'm the Air Force guy. I'm not trying to pick on, on the Army alone, but they, they did this study about grave concerns with integrity um, in the ranks of Army officers. And one of the big points was what they did is they just did a quick analysis of the training requirements. Okay, this is great. The training requirements for the Army. So there, you're a commander. Here's all the training your soldiers have to do in a given fiscal year, right? Here's what you have to do. And what they looked at is they quickly realized that it was impossible just looking at man hours for a soldier to accomplish all the required mandatory training that they had to do in a fiscal year, in a fiscal year. It was impossible, right? Like just do the analysis when you figure out time off, holidays, whatever. Like it's just, it's, it's impossible. No one could possibly do it. And yet throughout, you know, the army, you had commanders signing off on checklists, inspection reports, and other things that their troops were 100% trained in things when it would have been physically impossible for them to do that. Right. So, so the whole point of line. doing that study was, you know, what have we created in military culture where the, the right answer is always yes. Mm. Right. And, and no is unacceptable. Like you, it's unacceptable for a commander to say to their boss at any level to their boss, boss, have you looked at how long this training is supposed to take? We, we cannot possibly accomplish this. I mean, imagine what would happen. Right. We know what mm. would happen in the culture. The culture is get it done. Well, it's physically impossible for us to get it done. Well, it has to get done. And and you create this incentive. And then if it's not done, commanders get fired. We've seen the same thing with this mandate of these mRNA products. Commanders who, who hesitate at all to enforce the mandate, commanders who don't get their numbers up, get fired. They lose their job. It damages their career. And so they're making a choice. I mean, every time military leaders are pushing this mandate out they're making a choice between their career and their law and and frankly the more you look at this the more you understand it my clients are seeing this this is a question of are you going to support and defend the constitution you in the military the military does not have the authority to intentionally violate federal law whether that's on the religious accommodation side with the religious freedom restoration act or whether it's federal law relating to EUA and FDA approved products. The military doesn't have the authority to do that. Now, do all commanders and all military officers, do they understand these issues? No, they don't because of all the censorship and everything else that's in there. But once this is presented to them, there's a question of you know their willingness to actually just read the statute. It's very clear when you see it. That's my concern is just there's an unwillingness to do that. Well, not only just unwillingness to do that, but let me give a quick little story about what's happened with me. So I'm in this place, and I'm I'm not going to give too many details because I don't want someone to figure out who this guy is. But he's he's a man in a leadership position, and I I pulled him aside and I said, "Sir, look, this is the issue. This is this is an unlawful order, and I can prove to you it's a, that I was given an unlawful order way back last September because you gave me this order now to take this shot now. So who's going to go back and and, you know, punish that person who gave me those unlawful orders a year ago when the proof is you gave me this order now. 
And, sir, I'm guaranteeing that this order is also unlawful because this product that they're trying to make me take, this, you know, community-labeled garbage that's now expired that they're still trying to, um, maybe they're still trying to push on people, I don't know. Um, But I'm telling you, this is an unlawful order. And he says, well, the information I have to go off right now is that it is lawful. It's like, but I'm telling you it's not. So, therefore, you are no longer, you know, can claim ignorance because I'm telling you it's it's unlawful. And, mm-hmm. you know, have a couple more conversations about things that I've talked about with him and things like bioweapon and how it's developed in China. I show him how it's developed in China, how we have the redacted documents that have been re-released with less redactions that show that they experimented on this in Shanghai, China. And he says, Sigloff, you know, you're probably right. Like, what? I'm probably right that you think this might be a bioweapon that might be injected into our service members and you're doing nothing? How can you say that I'm probably right? Because if I'm 1% right, this needs to be stopped immediately. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and so the question is, why? Why Why is it? You know, and you you know this, Sam, you know this. Because, you know, we end up feeling like the crazy ones. My clients end up feeling like the crazy ones because it's federal law and it's so clear. And there's all of this data and information out there once you care to look, once you get past the censorship. Right. So, I mean, you are you are a smart, highly educated, thoughtful person. And, and you're reaching conclusions about this based on the research that you're doing, the data you're seeing that this is a bioweapon. And, you know, and my my whole thought process on that is like. That sounds crazy, right? That sounds like some kind of a conspiracy theory. And yet that's where the evidence leads us when we start to look at this, right? So I haven't reached all those conclusions. I haven't had the time to, to sit and look at the data like you have. But, it, but it's just fascinating to me that you know, all, of, all of these smart people are looking at and then and we ignore them and make them crazy. I mean, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, I mean, look at their credentials. Look at what they're seeing. Look at what they're saying and look at the visceral reaction to that when people hear the truth about this. And, and that's what's crazy to me is, what are the incentives for these people to doing it? And in the military, it's not as if we have this, you know, vast group of military officers that, that want to carry out, you know, a bioweapons extermination of military forces in the US or destroy our readiness. But there is a huge bureaucratic, you know, element of among military leadership that's simply just are worried about their pension and don't want to make waves. They're worried about the possibility of a promotion. And so they're not going to ask these questions. You know, from the very beginning, even of the religious accommodation process, I saw JAGs in the military process looking at the religious accommodation process and saying, you know, this, this is a, um, this creates our position and the way we're handling this creates significant litigation risk. Right. And I laugh. Right. What, what does that mean? Look, when an attorney, when a JAG is telling a commander what you're doing creates a significant litigation risk, what they're saying is what you're doing is illegal. You're going to lose. When the courts look at this, you're going to lose. So can you do it? I suppose you can as a commander, but I'm telling you your position on this creates a significant litigation risk. And we've even seen that. We've seen the documents now that show even this argument about interchangeability uh, medical interchangeability of of an EUA product and a vaccine. Even that argument, there was disagreement among senior leaders at the Pentagon, and people were warned, "Hey, this is this isn't going to work, right? Like this is not 
what the law says, this idea of medical interchangeability somehow changing federal law um, doesn't work. It's not going to fly. And yet they proceeded with this anyway. Well, and even that, that kind of eloquent phrase that you, you say that the lawyers say is, you know, put you at significant risk for um, litigation. Like, okay. No, what that means is you're going to kill or maim somebody in the process and you're going to lose because it's unlawful to do that. It's illegal, it's immoral, and it's unlawful. And and yet we have these eloquent phrases like, oh, you you know, you might be at some risk or you might be at significant risk. No, you're going to kill people. You're going to maim right. people. And, right. and the problem is, is like those are real terms and those are my terms, not your terms because you're the lawyer, I'm, I'm the doctor. So I can use right. terms like that. But, but right. that's the reality of the situation. I'm seeing people getting maimed and killed. Well, and, you know, and I see it from my perspective because I have people that reach out to me, you know, and it, and it usually falls into like three categories when it comes to people who um, are dealing with this is, you know, they, they submit a – and I'm not even talking about the religious side. I'm just talking about medically, right? They look at their medical history and they have a concern about taking this, their own personal med- medical history – and they're told by military medical providers, licensed providers, we're told, who take the Hippocratic Oath, well, yeah, I mean, there's a possibility, even a significant possibility, that you'll have an anaphylactic reaction to this vaccine. But I can't give you an exemption because of the policy that's in place in the DOD. I can't give you an exemption unless you have a negative reaction to the first shot. I have a client that was literally in writing told by a military medical professional, an 06 doctor. Well, yeah, there's absolutely a risk of anaphylaxis, but but you're not going to qualify for an exemption, but that's okay. Just go make sure you get get, the first shot in in the hospital. Make sure you get it in a hospital. Once you have your anaphylaxis and you die, we'll, we'll cover you. Right, right. We'll make sure, you know, we'll make sure we get, you know, your family gets a nice letter from the Department of Defense. Um, Maybe a flyer. But, you know, and this is someone who had family members, immediate family members who were hospitalized after getting the first dose. So this wasn't like this is a known like issue in the family, PEG and other allergies. So it's not like a question. Um, it's, a, it's a significant risk. And yet, you know, that's what they're saying. I've. I have clients that I represent right now that that were severely vaccine injured. There was they knew, knew what the risk was. The military knew what the risk is. They got the vaccine anyway. And now, even though they were in a duty status when they got the vaccine, the military doesn't want to recognize that the source of the injury is the vaccine. So they won't even do a proper line of duty determination for like guard members and reservists. So now they've got you know de- debilitating heart illness, cardiac illness. And the military is not even helping them. Um, you know, I have a client that that's lost work, that's lost their civilian job because they can't work. Um, they're going to get, you know, medically kicked out of the guard, and and they're suffering and fighting from this. And it's a, it's a huge issue. And, and the real world aspect of that is, you know, let's say this man is a husband and a and a father. He can't pick up his kids. He can't run around and go play ball with his kids. He can't, you know jump on a horse and run around with, you know, horseback with his kids, whatever, whatever activities he did, he can't do those because he's so injured by this, again, my words, not, not yours, but bioweapon. Right. Oh, it's so infuriating and because <laughs> they're, they're hurting people and <clears throat> like that doctor to say, oh, well, 
you have to get it. Where is he? Nazi Germany? Like, that's what medicine is, is the patient and the doctor, more so the patient, makes a decision. The doctor gives the options, but the patient decides. The doctor is is not a train barreling towards you, you know? Right. No, but in but in this case, there, the the DOD decided as a matter of policy, there would only be very few limited possible even medical exemptions to to this, and you know, and all of them are temporary. It's like if you're pregnant, if you if you currently have COVID, um, or if you get the first dose and you have a severe reaction, they say you can get an exemption. But I I I have personally spoken to more than one military member that I have talked to that one of them was actually kicked out. He got the first dose of the vaccine, severe anaphylactic reaction, suffered arrhythmia afterwards. So, so an allergic reaction and also a cardiac reaction. And they denied the exemption to get the second shot. Flat out denied the exemption to the second one. In my uh, coercion in Korea series, I interviewed a man, Stephen, and he had to get the shot to go do some, uh, to, to do take some leave that he wanted, and he had a heart attack within 24 hours of that shot. When he went back to Korea, they were giving him a hard time, and I think they were giving him non-judicial punishment for not getting a second shot after he had a heart attack. And and when we say these things, people people don't believe it because these stories aren't out there. Like you know, mainstream media, Twitter will cancel you. I mean, Twitter tried to cancel. The Florida Surgeon General just talking about the data from their state about the risks of of cardiac issues for for young people, you know, and it's just it's crazy how all of these this truth is out there and yet it keeps getting suppressed. It's almost like we live in two realities, like there's two worlds and and we can talk past each other, but I'm using this language and they're using that language and our language is confused it's mind blowing. You know, there's a, there's a Samuel Adams quote, um, that I, I came across that I hadn't seen in a long time. I came across the other day. Um, and cause I, I we homeschool our kids and we were, I do a government class for my oldest daughter and, and some of her friends. And so we're studying the constitution and the revolutionary war, but there's a quote by Sam Samuel Adams. And he talked about how the, um, one of the most powerful tools of tyrants is to pervert the plain meaning of words. Wow. And it just struck me. It just struck me. Right. Right. And, and, you know, the language that Samuel Adams used is, is funny. So that's not a direct quote. It's basically, you know, perv Mm -hmm. the plain meaning of words, but, but literally talking about how throughout history, the tyrants, change the definitions, change the plain meaning of words, and they use that as a tool of tyranny for exactly that reason. Like, how can you have a a reasoned discussion with someone about a critical issue or the law when you're not even talking about the, the same meaning of words anymore? I mean, you hear me, I hesitate to call these mRNA products, whatever they are, a vaccine because they're not a vaccine. And the only way anyone even uses that terminology is because we've literally changed the definition of vaccine. It's just like, I didn't ask you your pronouns before we started this. I didn't ask you what your, I don't even know what that means. All right. Like I didn't do well in high school English. Like 
you look like a guy, I'm going to call you a guy, you know, and it's not because I'm being right. rude. It's because I'm a medical professional and I like, like to not lie. You know, like Jordan Peterson says, right. tell the truth, at least don't lie. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, anyway, that's a Samuel Adams quote, though. I just it it just strikes you. Um, you know, it, it does. It gives you chills. It's just eerie how that that is a tactic that, that we see. And so we get away from truth and we we pull away from that. And, you know, my a big part of this fight for me, Sam, is my is my faith. And I see yes. not unlike what Jordan Peterson has said, um, you know, the Bible is a is a starting point for truth, right? The revelation of God for me is a starting point for truth. That's the foundation of truth. Um, and mm-hmm. and without that, we quickly get away from from anything, any sort of a foundation um, that even works. And and that's the same is true of our constitution. You know, we're we're valuing whatever it is. Military leaders are valuing whether it's it's money, whether it's their pension, whether it's their career, prestige, acceptance, whatever it is. They're valuing that over truth and they're valuing over that over the commitment to our constitutional system. And it's not just the words of the Constitution. It's the system that's put in place. We have separation of power. Congress makes the law. That's it. Congress makes the law. Congress creates statutes, statutory law. The job of the executive branch is to execute that law, to follow the law. And then the judicial branch is there to deal with disputes among the states, among the states and the federal government, and between the executive and the legislature to deal with those issues. Here, the military falls under the executive branch, and it, and what we're being asked to do is completely ignore federal law. But the key to that, I think, and what's important about that is this is just violating the law. This isn't just ignoring federal law. This is violating our oath to the Constitution because by intentionally, knowingly, clearly, patently violating the law, what we're doing is we're saying the executive branch under the military, you know, the military under the executive branch doesn't have to listen to Congress. That's yeah. dangerous. That's Terrifying. dangerous. And uh, this is like, well, I mean, it was Thomas Massey who said, you know, this, this is a crime in progress. And, and it makes yes. you wonder, like, if we look back in history and we look at the Andrew Jackson who drove the natives off of the reservations and the Supreme Court said, this is wrong. This is illegal. And what does he do? He says, okay, then come stop me. Right. Bring That's your the situation army. we're in right now. Bring your army. Right. And, and the important, I mean, that's, you know, I think we miss this sometimes when we think about the law and the constitution though, but the, one critical aspect of the constitution isn't just the words themselves and how we interpret the words of the constitution itself. It's about the structure the constitution puts in place, you know, and the executive branch doesn't get to just defy Congress. That's not how it works. Congress is elected representatives that pass the law. They pass the statutes. And and the executive branch can go to the courts if they think there's an issue, but otherwise they can't just ignore federal law. And And when that happens, you see things like that. You see a history of of tragedies that occur, and you see tyranny coming out of ignoring the law. And when by doing that, you're ignoring the constitutional system. So it's a big concern. And and just think, I mean, I think because we're living it sometimes, we fail to realize how unprecedented it is to have a situation where federal courts, not just district courts, but circuit courts have said what the military is doing 
in denying religious accommodations the way they have violates federal law, violates the constitutional rights of military members and violates the Religious Freedom Restoration Act because they've done the extraordinary, the extraordinary rare thing of issuing injunctions to stop enforcement in process. Federal courts hate to get involved in the military. They hate to get involved in military issues. Federal courts, judges are very, very hesitant to do it. And even more than anyone else, conservative federal judges don't want to get involved in military issues, military readiness issues, command decisions, all of that. Huge deference. But here, the violations are so clear and so obvious, you have an injunction preventing the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marine Corps from enforcing this mandate against those who filed a religious accommodation because the system is so obviously flawed. The judges have to conclude that they believe the plaintiffs in those cases, the individual military members, are going to win this litigation in order to grant an injunction. They have to have a significant likelihood of winning the litigation in order to get an injunction. That's unprecedented. That's what's happened here. And yet there's still no change. It blows the mind. It's just insane how all those other branches can can have injunctions and the army not and how any of this can continue. And we've heard all the reports of, from IG saying that what they're doing is likely illegal. We hear you know, Sen- or, uh, congressmen saying how this is a crime in progress. And yet here we are still just chugging away at it, destroying lives. Yeah, the, the, the army's chugging away. The Coast Guard is chugging away in the midst of, you know, the army in the midst of a recruiting crisis. It's mind-blowing. And I just want to point out, as I don't think irony is the right word, but that a man who is making history <laughs> is teaching history to his children. I think that's just amazing. I want to draw some attention to that because that's... Someday your grandkids will be reading about you and what you're doing. <laughs> And here you are teaching. Your, uh, I, I your don't know kids. about that, but but they, they'll they'll be reading about you, I'm sure. Um, well, we're, as we're well, all you know. Together. But it just, but you know, I mean, and it just it, it's a humbling thing, especially when we think about the you know the plan that God has for our lives. It's it's a humbling thing to think about how God God uses us. You know, you didn't you didn't see this fight coming. I didn't see this fight coming. We just wanted to do our jobs. You know, you just wanted to to treat patients. <laughs> and do your job and, and here i am and yet got here this, we are yeah i've got the studio set up in my closet you know i never want to do this <laughs> i don't know how technology works but but yeah no it's god has used us in ways that we never thought we'd be working but uh, you know it, it is a pleasure to be made for a time like this amen we'll just keep doing our best yes sir i i want to thank you for coming on and you and your family will be in our prayers. Um, and when you want to come back on, you have a standing invitation. Well, that sounds great. Thank you very much. Please keep this up. Keep up the good work, brother. Yes, sir. You too. Uh, keep keep working hard and we'll be praying for you. Uh, thank you. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.